Awesome, awesome, awesome. Kia ora whanau. How are we doing? Good. Ni hao. Anyong haseo. Great to see everyone here. You're all going to be speakers of Korean before you know it. It's awesome. Man, it's great to be here. We are in week two of our series, Into the New. And, uh, and today I want to share a message around Into the New when the New looks like a desert. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit from Isaiah chapter 43. Let me just read this to you. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, just this last week, I was uh, doing devotions with the staff at Mount Albert Campus, the college that, that kind of we're connected with. And uh, we go in there fairly regularly. And Pastor Dan goes sometimes, Pastor Shane goes sometimes. And, and so I went in this week. And so, I, uh, I mean, how good is that, right? Like, how many schools are there in New Zealand where someone comes in and does devotions with the staff before they get to get out there in front of the kids? I, I just think it's a phenomenal privilege. And uh, so I was in there doing devotions with them uh, this Wednesday, and I heard a response from them. When I asked how they're doing, I, I heard a response I've been hearing a lot lately. They said, we're tired. It was uh, in staff meeting this week, we had a combined staff meeting online. So we had Pastor Stephen Beck's doing a message uh, live out through all the campuses. So we were, our staff were meeting here, and, and different other staff and our other campuses were meeting locally. And and it was such a great, a great time. And, and Pastor Steve shared about some of the challenges that they had in lockdown. Uh, talked about how it was really tough, actually, emotionally and mentally. And I was really grateful that Steve shared that. I, I think we all were because, strangely enough, we've all had similar experiences. And it's interesting, I find now, the more people I talk to, the more I hear people saying that they're kind of strangely exhausted right now. Things are strangely flat. I mean, like we're, for us, we're out of COVID, right? We're out of coronavirus. We're like in this, this new thing and everyone's talking about the new normal. And yet a lot of us are actually doing it a little bit tough right now. In late February of this year, right before all the European countries went into lockdown, a review of 24 studies was published documenting the psychological impact of quarantine, you know, the restriction of movement that so many nations have been through right now. Uh, and the findings offer a glimpse into really what is brewing in hundreds of millions of people's lives uh, around the globe and also here with us. Because there are a huge, a huge number of reasons for stress, right, when we went into lockdown. I mean, you guys will remember. Uh, there's the risk of infection. There's the risk of getting sick. Um, there's the risk of losing loved ones, especially if you have loved ones who are a little bit older uh, or people who uh, have a compromised immunity. Uh, and there was some real fear around that for many of us. Um, there was the prospect of financial hardship. There was uncertainty about what was going on with business and with jobs and careers. Uh, all of these and many more cause um, the kind of stress that people experience, not just in a pandemic, but in any disaster. Um, insights on the long-term damage of disasters have been accepted in the field of trauma psychology for decades now. And I will be getting back to what Isaiah said, but I, I just want to give a little bit of 
um, a little bit of psychology around this because I think this is really helpful for us going forward. You know, when a disaster of, of any sort actually kicks in, uh, what they find is that people go through relatively distinct phases. And I, I want to quickly go through those phases because I think they're helpful for us to, to get our heads around when we are trying to grapple with what we're going through right now. <clears throat> the first phase is called warning of disaster. And what's interesting is that when the warning of disaster comes, they say that our adaptation response starts to increase, which means we start to adapt to the perceived threat. We start to, we start to think, wow, okay, this is possibly coming. Well, we, the government's maybe talking about lockdown. What does that even mean? Uh, we've got some coronavirus cases now. Uh, what's going to happen? So we start to think about how are we going to adapt to this? How are we going uh, to change things? How are we going to make decisions that enable us to handle this well? Uh, this is when people go out and start buying lots of toilet paper. Uh, so that's an adaptive response, right? Then what happens is then you get to the point where actually the disaster, whatever that is, COVID-19 pandemic, when that actually hits, and it's the impact of disaster and the consequences that happen. For us, that included quarantine. And what's interesting is that people's adaptive response continues to go up. People continue to, to adapt to that, to go, well, okay, we're, well, we're in quarantine now, we're in lockdown, how are we going to do this? That you start working out your workstations for all the family, you know, you've, we've talked with work about can we work from home or not, and, and people are very highly proactive in that stage. Adrenaline is kicking in now, uh, cortisol is starting to kick in, and we're, and we're working at a higher level, but actually things are going great. And then what happens is, then you reach a phase which, interestingly enough, is called the honeymoon phase. Kids are having a great time. The honeymoon phase is when people's adaptive response peaks. They're, they're at, at their best. And we, we all hit that, right, in the early stages of the lockdown when we're actually doing great, man. We're doing, like, doing fun stuff with the kids if the kids are with us and we're coping well and the workstations are all working and everything's good and we're, we're good. We're, everything's good and we've got plenty of toilet paper stacked in the hall, so we're good, you know. And so that happens. But then what happens is, as the weeks turn into months, the next phase that happens is called disillusionment. Eventually that point comes where this is no longer fun anymore. Not that it was ever really fun, but the excitement isn't there anymore. This now is, this is not a good time. And people we know maybe have started to get sick. And now we've been in lockdown with our kids whom we would love and die for, for a long time now. And, you know, but, but actually what happens is people's adaptive response now begins to decline. People aren't coping as well. Um, as these weeks turn into months, people begin to experience stress. They begin to experience anxiety. They begin to experience depression and irritability and exhaustion sets in. And in some cases, we so see post-traumatic stress symptoms begin to appear. And I don't know if you remember, but man... I, there was a period when it was like that. And then what happens is eventually we get to the recovery phase. And people begin to find their adaptive response again. Usually this happens as we come out of the tail end of any sort of disaster. We've kind of worked things out now. We've got a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, a little bit of hope things might be getting back to normal. And we start to, start to get ourselves back into a better space. But the challenge is it's been a very long and bleak road to get to that point. Now, recovery is so important because in the end, people end up with an adaptive response which is higher than what they started at, which means that we're all better equipped should there be another pandemic, should there be another disaster. But it's a tough road, and I think many of us aren't there yet. 
many of us are still struggling with some of these real challenges from coming through lockdown. We're actually really tired. Many people are really exhausted and some people are now really dealing with some tough situations with jobs and careers and all of those sorts of things. I mean, there's some tough stuff going on out there. So the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with that when we're strangely exhausted, when we are unusually tired, when we're a little flat and actually probably still a little discouraged? Life hasn't quite rolled out how we thought it was. We know people whose careers have come to a complete end. Like everything they've been working for for the last 30 years have just come to a complete end. And, and it is just, it's just frightening. And it's depressing and they don't know what's out in front of them. See, the people that Isaiah was speaking to, they had been through a disaster. They'd been exiled. Their city had been attacked. Their walls had been broken down. They'd been torn away from their homes. Many families had been broken apart. They'd been transported essentially as slaves to another country, another nation, another culture, another religion. Huge trauma. Huge challenges that they have been through. They were doing it really tough. But here's the amazing thing. In the midst of that, this is what Isaiah was saying. In the midst of this, God is making a way for you. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And he goes on. He says, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls. This is a metaphor for people who are used to being in, in, in a desert place. People who are, have adapted to being in a desert place. Because I provide water in the wilderness, I provide streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now, there are some things that we need to understand in a time like this. So let me go through a few of these thoughts for you this morning. The first one is this, is that disaster creates deserts. Disaster creates deserts. You know, you come, I mean, and this is true in the physical as much as it is in terms of us as human beings. We come off the adrenaline, we come off a time of stress, we start to hit an emotional dip, and all of a sudden life starts feeling empty and we're not quite sure why. feels a little bit like a desert and we're not quite sure what is going on. I really feel God really uh, put this on my heart to say that there are some of us here that are feeling like life is like that, like it's just got a bit barren on us. But if God wants to say to you this, it's normal and it's not your fault. It's normal and it's not your fault. It's normal and it's not your fault. Some of you have lost your jobs and it's not your fault. Some of you are finding this really hard and it's not your fault. I believe the Lord wants to say that to some. In fact, for some people, that's healing this morning for you. It's normal and it's not your fault. You see, ideas and plans and hopes and dreams, these are the things that make a land into a landscape. Those are the things that inside of us give us something to see and look at and enjoy. Like a land without trees and shrubs, and that kind of, it's, it's just a desert, but when you've got trees and shrubs and you've got jungle and you've got forest and those sort of things, now you've got a landscape. That is something that inspires us. That is something to look at. But here's the thought this morning, that when these disappear, when ideas and plans and hopes and dreams disappear from your world, your promised land can become a wasteland. 
And for those of us who feel like we're in a, a bit of a winter season now, for those who are looking at loss or looking at lack or looking at uncertainty, for those who are just seeing barrenness, for those who did not expect to be here, who expected to be in a better place than where you find yourselves now, God already has plans for the deserts in our lives. God already has plans for the deserts in our lives. See, Isaiah is writing to Israel in exile. Exile was traumatic and exhausting. Uh, Their lives, like their homelands, were devastated. They were unproductive. They were barren. They were uncultivated. There There was nothing they could do about it. And yet the awesome thing is this, is that in this place, God is speaking to them saying, I've got plans for your desert places. Don't you worry. God delights to turn deserts into gardens. And this is so true. Like we see this right at the very start of creation in Genesis chapter 2. Let me read this to you. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. What have we got? We've got a desert place. We've got a wasteland. For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. And the scripture goes on and says that then what God did, he created streams in the desert. And then what he did, he created Adam and Eve. And he said he planted a garden and he put Adam and Eve in it. And Adam and Eve would attend it and make it flourish. God chooses us to turn deserts into gardens. God's plan for you and your desert place is he wants to make a way for you in what you are experiencing and bring new life. God makes a way in the wilderness. You see, the devil lays waste, but God makes a way. God provides streams in the wasteland. God always starts with streams. And here's the second thought this morning. The second thought is the wastelands are within us. This is really important. You see, your world isn't barren. It just looks barren to you, looking at it through disappointed eyes. Your life isn't empty of resources. You're just empty of resourcefulness. So you can't see all of the resources that are still out there that God has still made available to you. But you can't see it. Your future isn't a desert. It just feels like a desert because that's what it is on the inside of you. The wastelands are within us. And this is important because that then tells us where God goes to work to make a way. That is where streams will flow within us. You see, recovery and renewal, now this is so important. Recovery and renewal does not start with more work or more effort or more hours. It starts with streams, streams in the desert. The flow of the Spirit of God inside us is what transforms us. And that is the third point this morning. Where the Spirit flows, life grows. Now, this started at Pentecost, right? We see this at Pentecost. I mean, God poured out His Spirit in a mighty way, this incredible flow into the wasteland of 400 years of nothing from God. No prophetic word, no prophet was raised up. 400 years of silence, they called it. And then Jesus came, the Messiah, but then they crucified him. And said he was risen from the dead, went to heaven, and then poured out the Holy Spirit. This incredible river of God, the stream of living water was poured out. And then what happened when it began to flow? 3,000 people saved on day one. And the church bloomed 
from nowhere into sudden existence. Let me tell you, things are going to bloom for you when the streams come in your life. Things are going to bloom out of nowhere. Moments of great joy, unforeseen opportunities, the goodness of God, new ideas and fresh strategy. Dreams are going to sprout up when you least expect them. That is what streams in the desert do. Isaiah prophesies this again in Isaiah 35. It says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And I went, what is a crocus? <laughs> so I did a little bit of research. The crocus is no ordinary flower. It can flower any time from late winter to early spring once the water comes. But this is the interesting thing. With a crocus, there can be nothing above the ground one day. And then the next day, it will be in full bloom. And it's because the crocus doesn't have a stem. The flower doesn't have a stem. As soon as the shoots come through the ground, the bud comes through at the exact same time and blossoms. And so with a crocus, it literally looks like they are bursting out of the ground. And that is the exact picture that God gave Isaiah to give to us for what happens when he brings streams in our wasteland. You see, when the water comes, the crocus bursts into life. And when the Spirit comes, new things will burst into your life. And God is saying this. God is saying that change can happen quickly when the Spirit gets in you. Joy can be your experience right now. It can be your experience today. It's not going to take a month to feel better. It's not going to take months for you to get a little bit of joy back in your world again. It can happen now in your desert place. It can happen right now in your wilderness places of your heart. You might just experience something beginning to burst out today. Maybe you experienced that in worship earlier on. Maybe you're going to experience it later on. But I tell you, the point of this is this. You don't have to wait forever for God to bring something good back in your world. When God brings a stream in the wasteland, change can happen quickly. The key to transformation in a barren place, in a desert space, begins with streams in the wasteland. And the stream is the life-giving flow and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 2, God says, I am the spring of living water. So it's important we realize this, that when Isaiah was prophesying about springs of, of, of water and streams of water, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In John 4, Jesus says that he gives living water to people. And in John 7, he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within them. From desert places on the inside that have been transformed and brought to life, rivers will flow. You see, the flow of the Spirit is indeed what Isaiah was speaking about. The presence of God, when it comes near us and gets in us, begins to change us. It satisfies the thirsty soul. It goes to work on the desert, on the inside, and it transforms the wasteland that is within. Now, now some of you may be going, really? Really is the Holy Spirit, is that really all I need to see a new season bloom in my life? And the answer is no. Now, what you really need is you need ideas and you need plans and you need new energy and you need new action and you need new opportunities. But where do new ideas come from? 
I tell you, there is no, nothing more creative in all of the known universe more than the Holy Spirit. When I think back over 20 years of ministry, I think of every significant initiative that I've ever engaged in in the local church or nationally, and every single one of them have come from the Holy Spirit in prayer. I tell you what, and here's the interesting thing, right? Your success in your life to this date is not as much because of your ability and talent as you would like to think. So often, doors swing open because of people that we meet, coincidences that we have. So often, things happen in our lives that allow us to step into a new place that had nothing really to do with our talent or ability. But God does these things. The Holy Spirit works in us in a huge way. Where do new plans come from? Where does new energy come from? It comes from spirit-anointed ideas that have an, anoint, an anointing and a momentum on them that translates into action and helps us move forward. Where do new opportunities come from? Holy Spirit ideas with Holy Spirit energy and Holy Spirit momentum will open your eyes to see what is already there, but that which you cannot see when you are in a desert place. Where the Spirit flows, life grows. And look, I know that sometimes we can look at, at prayer, we can look at the presence of God, we can look at worship, and we go, really? Is that really enough? Is that really going to transform me in any significant way? I mean, I mean, you can look at a desert, right? We're using desert metaphors. We can look at a desert and go, seriously, you could pour rivers into that, and it would change nothing, right? Wrong. There are many, many desert areas around the world that with a single shower of rain, burst briefly and are transformed with grasses and flowers and all kinds of life. How does that work? Here's the thought. You see, streams in the wasteland activate seeds sown in a previous season. I'm going to say it again because some of you need to hear that. Streams in the wasteland activate seeds sown in a previous season. You know, seeds that drop to the ground and appear to die, you know, like the scripture says, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. It's got to, it's got to have that, that death where it goes into the soil and then it germinates. And many people have, have kind of lost the, the seeds of their dreams and their hopes and their plans on the way through this challenge. Many people have find themselves in a place going, well, I used to have these dreams. I used to have these plans. I don't even know where they are now. I don't know what happened to them. I tell you what happened to them. They fell to the ground and they're still there. And when the Spirit of God begins to move, when the streams of God begin to move on those, you will find some of those plans and dreams and ideas are going to come back to life. They're going to burst into life again. You're going to find them there again. You never really lost them. Streams are coming. You know, the message this morning is this. You've got to get the stream into your wasteland. And I'm really believing for God this morning. I know as a team we are. We've been praying for this for a long time. I'm believing for God to begin to flow in everyone's lives here in a, in a different way. And I believe that, that the streams of God, that the streams of the Spirit will flow to anyone who is willing to just draw near a little bit. You know, James says, right, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Sometimes we've got to activate this. We've got to actually take a step of intentionality. We've got to do something that says, yes, God. We've got to have a moment of surrender when we put our hands up. We've got to have a moment where we step out and go, God, I'm coming closer. You know, sometimes we've got to get closer to the source. Sometimes we've got to respond 
We've got to do something. And so what we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to sing again. We're going to sing Waymaker because He is the one who makes a way. And then I'm going to come back in just a moment and I'm going to give you an opportunity. And in that time as we sing this, the first part of the song, I want you to be thinking, what's God saying to you this morning? Is God tugging at your heart? Is God calling at something in you? Is there, a, is there a bit of a dry place, a barren place inside here that actually needs some joy, needs some answers, needs some, needs some new life again? Because I believe God's going to do that for some people here this morning. And you know, I don't want us to be discouraged. Sometimes we can find ourselves when it's tough and we come and we try and draw near to God. We don't feel anything. It's like, it's like that desert. The stream arrives, but it just disappears under the sand. I'm telling you, that goes on long enough. That can turn the most barren desert into pools of water and oases that will nourish many. So don't be discouraged, but draw near. And, and, and sometimes we go, oh, I, I felt a little touch of the presence of God. It just seems so unsubstantial. I'm telling you, that source that you tapped into is a never-ending source that will never run dry and will pour and pour and pour and pour into your world until that which is barren bursts again into the purpose of God. So come on, church. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's take a moment with God. Eh? Let's just begin to press into Him. And if there's anything in, that we've spoken about this morning is spoken to you, then just a moment, I'm going to get the ministry team to come. I'm going to take a moment and draw near to God. Come on, let's worship Him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.